at that time, I was going down to the library, and I remember one day I was checking out. I had in one arm a big bundle of records of Glenn Gould and Vladimir Ashkenazi, all this great Western classical music. And as I was kind of meandering around, I found this whole stack of records that I didn't know anything about, but they looked kind of interesting, classical music from India. I didn't know what any of this sounded like. I'd never heard it, but it just looked interesting, just looking at the covers, you know, which is something we may have lost a little bit. I must have been about 12 years old at the time, and I, I remember one morning I was getting ready for school, and I put on this record. It was Ravi Shankar live at the Monterey Pop Festival. And just immediately the sound, just the pure sound of the music just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was absolutely captivated. And in fact, I didn't go to school for half the day. I just sat there and I listened to that record over and over. Um, him playing Rag Bimpalasi, which is now one of my favorite ragas that I sing quite frequently. That's percussionist and composer Peyton McDonald talking about a very important moment in his development as a musician. And I love to think about that moment. Here he is in a library somewhere in Idaho, and he's attracted by the cover of this album, Live at Monterey, Ravi Shankar. He puts it on and listens to it, hears these sounds, that wonderful sitar, and is immediately smitten. So thank goodness for public libraries and this wonderful connection that Peyton McDonald made with Hindustani music very early on, and it would become so important to his music as a composer and a performer. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and my guest on the program today is Peyton McDonald. We heard some of that wonderful album, Ravi Shankar, live at Monterey, that was such a huge influence on young Peyton McDonald. And we heard the sitar, but if you listen to more of the album, you will also hear that other iconic Indian instrument, the percussion instrument, the tabla. And of course, Peyton McDonald is a percussionist. And in fact, he has written many concertos for tabla and percussion quartet. And we're going to get to one of those a little bit later on the program. But I want to play a piece now that he wrote for solo tabla. The tabla, for our listeners who don't know, is a wonderfully versatile Indian drum. There are actually two drums associated with this, and you can get a variety of sounds by using the fingers and the heel of the hand. These sounds also have mnemonic syllables associated with them, and they use wonderfully complex rhythmic patterns. The piece is called Jor, and the title is referring to part of a classical North Indian Hindustani instrumental raga performance. There are three parts, the alap, jor, and jala, and Peyton has actually set all three for tabla solo. I'm going to read his program notes. He says, During the jor section, a steady pulse is gradually established, and the melodic phrases associated with the given raga are gradually revealed. This idea has been translated to solo percussion by focusing on the left-hand drum, the baya, and exploring the beautiful pitch changes that are possible by sliding the hand across the drum and pressing into the head. Let's have a listen to percussionist Sean Matavetsky performing on solo tabla, Jor by Peyton McDonald. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
That's music for the tabla, two drums that are very popular in Hindustani music. But this piece that we heard, Jor, by Peyton McDonald, is focusing on the left-hand drum. It's incredible to think of all those sounds coming out of mostly one drum. And as I was listening to it, I was wondering how much of that was being improvised. I was a little surprised to read in the program notes that it is not improvised at all. It's entirely 100% notated. I think that's an incredible feat to do, to notate each and every one of those sounds, especially those slides across the surface of the drum, that very, very beautiful sound. It was Sean Medavetsky performing Jor by Peyton McDonald, who is my guest today on Relevant Tones. I first discovered Peyton's music through a project he calls Super Marimba, so it was the first thing I asked him about when he visited the studio. I started that in about 2003, and... It's a pretty low-tech, low-fi kind of project. So I have an acoustic marimba. I have a couple mics over it. I send the signal into a mixer. It goes down to some pedals that I have, uh, two loopers and two distortion pedals, back to the mixer, out to the audience. So there's, there's no laptop, um, there, no software. It's just hardware, the same stuff uh, guitar players use a lot of times, electric guitar players. And originally... You know, I was hearing things on the instrument that I was trying to do improvisationally that I couldn't accomplish by myself. No matter how many mallets I held or how much technique I tried to develop, the, the textures I was hearing just got too dense. Um, so my initial plan was to put together some kind of ensemble. And I was thinking back, you know, to what Steve Reich was doing in the early 70s with his group. I thought, well, maybe I'll put together a group where I can build these textures and work on this music with other people. But at the time, I was living in a more less populated part of Wisconsin, and I just didn't have the pool of players. There, there weren't people out there who could really do what I was trying to do. And trying to tour with four marimbas and stuff became very cumbersome and expensive and difficult. So it was actually one of my students suggested at the time, he said, you know, why don't you look into getting some loopers? And I did, and I found that that was a good solution. And I've kept it technically, in terms of the, the technology, fairly simple because I like to be able to go into places, set it up, do a quick sound check, and get down to the business of, of playing and improvising without getting bogged down with a lot of technology. But that's how it came out. It was basically an a invention of necessity you know, because I was trying to do things that were impractical with people. So when you compose for that project, Super Marimba, you know you're going to be improvising a lot. Do you normally just write a kind of uh, jumping off point that you can then improvise? Or, or is it, uh, how do you approach that, composing for this project? Well, sometimes I develop the pieces on the instrument. And then when I notate them, and I do notate all the pieces, but a lot of times the notation serves as more of a memory aid. So if I haven't been on tour for a year or so, and then I go and set up a bunch of dates... Sometimes I can't quite remember, wait a minute, how did I voice this chord or, or what exactly was that pattern I was using? So then I dig out the sheets and look at them. Um, I've never once gotten up and played Super Marimba with actual music on stage. Other times, though, the ideas generate when I'm sitting at the desk. And so I'll, I'll compose and then go to the instrument and see if they work and work with them if, if they need to be so they're more, they're more idiomatic for the instrument. And that's very, I mean, very much like Indian music too, right? You, you have, they're, they're going to start off with the scale, they'll play the, the, the raga, and then they actually go into the song, but then there's this extended improv improvisational section. Is that similar to how you approach it with Super Merva? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really love improvising, and I really believe in it from a certain, um, I don't know, moral perspective or something. But I think there, I really believe in the live music experience. And I think when music includes an element of improvisation, you're able more directly and immediately to tap into the specific situation that you're in. So if the room is resonating certain pitches, you can work with that. 
if the audience is flagging, you can work with that energy. If, you know, if there's a certain buzz in the air, you can work with that energy. And I, I really prize that experience. You know, I do a lot of non-improvised music too. Um, a couple of years ago, I commissioned a big solo marimba piece from Charles Warren. And, you know, it's like a lot of Charles's music, 13 minutes, very difficult, all up and down the marimba. And I toured with that piece and performed it a bunch. Um, and I love doing that and I can do it. But if I had to choose, I would always choose to have the improvisational experience. But yes, it's very much like Indian music in that sense that that you have material that you practice and you work on. It's not free improvisation by any means, neither the super marimba or classical Indian music. But when you're in the performance situation, you can really flow with the moment, which I find very exciting. So yeah, let's talk about this CD. Um, tell me about the piece for John. So I recorded that down in Tallahassee, Florida, and John Parks was the engineer, and he really liked that part of the piece. He kept telling me over and over. I could see him when I was playing it. He was in the booth and he was, you know, he was bobbing his head and he had this huge grin on his face. And at the time I hadn't really named the movements. I, I just had this long stretch of music and he kept saying, man, I love that thing. I love that thing. And I said, all right, it's for you, buddy. <laughs> so that's how it got the title. It's an excerpt of a conversation I had with Peyton McDonald about his Super Marimba project and especially the piece that we're going to hear now called For John. We're going to hear For John, and then that's going to go directly into the next track, For Blake. Let's have a listen. This is Peyton McDonald, and just keep in mind that all the sounds you're hearing are being produced by one marimba.
Two Pieces for the Super Marimba, a project that started in 2003. We heard Peyton McDonald performing on the marimba, and if you're wondering how he's making all of those sounds, he's doing a lot of live looping to be able to create this incredible thick texture of sounds. And in fact, that's why he started looping in the first place, because he was hearing in his mind many, many marimbas all at once, but he wanted to be able to perform it himself. And so Super Marimba was created. We heard the pieces for John, and then went right into for Blake. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My guest today is percussionist and composer Peyton McDonald, who is fusing elements of Western music with Hindustani music in very interesting ways. You can find out more information about the program on Facebook or on our website at relevanttones.com. My guest on the program today is composer and percussionist Peyton McDonald. We heard him talking earlier about this transformative experience when he was a very young man in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and he came across an album of Ravi Shankar performing live at Monterey and was transfixed by this music. But, of course, you can get interested in Hindustani music. It's quite another thing to learn to play it, and he was still in Idaho Falls after all. So where did he get his training? Well, I asked him about that when he visited me in the studio. So all through high school, I played percussion, uh, both classical and jazz. I was playing a lot of drum set. I started doing solo marimba recitals in about my sophomore year of high school, um, mostly playing a lot of Bach, things from the cello suites and the sonatas and partitas, but some marimba repertoire as well, and some of my own pieces I started composing then. And then I went to University of Michigan for my undergraduate degree, and when I was there, I ended up getting a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Jazz and Contemporary Media, so I was all over the place aesthetically. I was playing with a big band. I was playing in the Creative Arts Orchestra, which is a free improvisation group. I was playing with the Digital Music Ensemble, where we would do all these really amazing and and brilliant multimedia collaborations. And then when I went to grad school at Eastman in uh, Rochester, New York, I started driving up to Toronto about once a week or every other week, and I would take lessons with Bob Becker, who had been studying for about 30 years with Pandit Sharda Sahai, who's one of the greatest tabla drummers in the world. And um, then I eventually started working with Sharda Sahai. And so I studied tabla for a good, I don't know, 10 years or so, very, very intensely. And I mean, I used to play solo concerts and accompany people. As my career as a Western percussionist really started to develop and as a composer, I found it very difficult to balance the tabla drumming with all the Western stuff for a lot of reasons, somewhat partly conceptually, but also physically it became difficult. And I had been taking voice lessons off and on kind of casually, and my teachers kept saying, you know, you really ought to develop this. You have a natural voice for this music, and you have a head for it. And so when Shardaji Sahai passed away in 2011, I decided to make a switch, and I started studying uh, Drupad with the Gundecha brothers about a year later. And uh, that's what I'm doing now is I'm starting to tour as a Drupad singer as well as a Western percussionist and a composer. So I have this very strange sort of triple career now. <laughs> That's Peyton McDonald telling us a little bit more about his musical history and especially how he received his training in Hindustani music. And I have a special treat for us. I'm going to play a little bit, just an excerpt from the Gundecha Brothers so you can hear these marvelous singers that he's talking about. We're going to play a little bit from Alap 2 from Rag Gaoti, and then I'm going to go right in without a break to an excerpt of Peyton McDonald himself singing Drupad. Let's have a listen. Mm-hmm. 
we had more time on the program to play some more of that. I think it's fantastic. That's Peyton McDonald himself singing in the Trupad style. And then before that, we heard the Gundecha brothers, Alap Tu from Rag Gaoti. What a wonderful example of Hindustani vocal music that has also been so influential on Peyton. And in fact, I've been referring to him on the program as a composer and percussionist, but now I should add vocalist because, as he said, he now has a triple career doing all three, which is fantastic. What a wonderfully versatile musician. 
And speaking of versatility, the piece that I'm going to play next, I think, shows off a very different side of the composer. It's a piece called Lifeboat Number no. 6 that was commissioned by the Jack Quartet. Here's Peyton to tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear in this piece. I actually wrote kind of three pieces for them. The first piece I wrote for them was a commission for them and me playing percussion. So we were working as a quintet and dancers at the University of Iowa. So I wrote the piece and we went out and we performed it four times with the dancers and then we left and they, they, the dancers did it another four times using a recording. So I wrote that first, then I got a commission to write a, a large scale piece for them and the Young Voices of Colorado, which is a, a, a really stellar um, children's choir out in the Denver area and clarinet and percussion. And so that was a, a large scale piece, about a 20 minute or so piece where I drew from that first piece I wrote and then created some new material. And that was a commission from the Molly Brown House and from um, the Newman Center in Denver. And Molly Brown, as you may remember, was uh, one of the survivors of the Titanic sinking. And she became a major figure in U.S. politics in terms of women's rights and, and rights for children and people of disadvantaged backgrounds. So she was a real force of nature and a, a brilliant woman. And so the Molly Brown House was commissioning me to write this piece alongside of an arrangement I did for the same forces of Gavin Breyer's Sinking of the Titanic. And this was in 2012, which was the 100-year anniversary of the Sinking of the Titanic. So that's how that whole commission came about. That's Peyton McDonald talking about the piece we're about to hear, Lifeboat Number 6, inspired by the unsinkable Molly Brown. Let's have a listen to Jack Quartet with the Young Voices of Colorado, performing music of Peyton McDonald.
This music inspired by really an incredible personage, Molly Brown, who you may know as one of the survivors of the Titanic, but she was also this incredible advocate for the poor and for workers and for women, just an incredible life force, I think. That's Lifeboat Number 6 by Peyton McDonald. We heard a performance by the Jack Quartet and the Young Voices of Colorado, a children's choir from Denver. Let's return now to music that's inspired by India, of course, such an important aspect in the development of Peyton MacDonald as a composer. I'm going to feature a concerto that he's written for tabla and percussion quartet, which actually has been kind of a recurring theme for him. Yeah, I've written a bunch of concertos for tabla and I've written four for tabla and percussion quartet, tabla and wind ensemble, and then a various tabla and uh, flute, a bunch of tabla and flute pieces and a bunch of tabla and marimba pieces. And almost all of these were commissions from Sean Matavetsky, who was a fellow student of Sharda Sahai. Sean lives up in Montreal, and he's one of the best tabla drummers on the planet. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. He's playing at a very high level, on par with, with the top Indian drummers who were born and, and raised in India. And he reads Western music because he received a traditional Western training through McGill University as a, as a percussionist. So he's an amazing collaborator. And because we both studied with the same guru, we know the same repertoire and I'm able to write pieces that tap into that in a pretty deep kind of way. That's Peyton McDonald talking about the concertos that he's written for tabla and percussion quartet. Let's have a listen to concerto number one. We're going to hear the wonderful Sean Matavetsky on tabla with the William Patterson University Percussion Ensemble. Music of Peyton McDonald.
Music for that wonderful Indian percussion instrument, the tabla. We heard Sean Medvedsky, the tabla soloist, Concerto Number no. 1 by Peyton McDonald for tabla and percussion quartet. And Sean Medvedsky was performing there with musicians from the William Patterson University Percussion Ensemble. Peyton McDonald is my guest today on Relevant Tones. We've been listening to a lot of his music from Hindustani-inflected music to the super marimba to the music inspired by unsinkable Molly Brown. He is a percussionist and a composer and a vocalist, a really, really busy guy. And as if that weren't enough, he has also started a nonprofit organization that I, for one, am very excited about. Here's Peyton to tell us just a little bit about that organization. A couple years ago... um Actually, no, maybe more about a year and a half ago, I teamed up with a, a brilliant woman named Rena Esmail, and we decided that what the world really needed was an umbrella organization to support artists like myself and Rena and hundreds and hundreds of other people around the United States and India and elsewhere who really kind of have one foot in India and one foot in the West. So the, the organization is called Shastra. The web URL is shastramusic.org, and... Um, we're up and running. We've built our website. We've got our first festival planned, which is April 26th, um, 2015 at uh, Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. And we've got a, a list of really outstanding artists who are coming. And all and stylistically, it's quite broad. Some of the folks who are coming are more jazz-oriented. Some are more classical-oriented. Some are more pop-oriented. But they, the one thing they all have in common is that they're really bringing the traditions together in meaningful ways um, and doing some really high-level creative work. So We've got the festival planned. We've got some educational stuff wrapped into that where we're working with younger people and exploring this idea of intercultural music and fusion music, but specific to India and the West. And um, we've got big plans for the organization. We want to eventually get a staff, um, obviously get a bigger budget as time goes on. And we're hoping our festival in 2016 will be in India and we'll kind of toggle back and forth between India and the United States. And eventually we'd like to do festivals in other places in the world too, Australia and Europe, et cetera. My guest again today was Peyton McDonald, percussionist, composer, and vocalist, and now arts administrator as well. A very, very busy guy. You can find out more about him and his activities at PeytonMcDonald.com. Peyton, thanks so much for being my guest today on the program. Thank you for having me. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Rory Hartong Redden. You can find us as a podcast on iTunes, and for more information about the program and the artists we've featured, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is brought to you in part by the generous support of GCM Grovner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.